Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Don't you love the question when people ask you, why are you still single? (laughs) I mean, it's not like you're going to answer it with, oh, I'm so glad you asked. I I find that I enjoy self-sabotaging so much that I protect myself from getting hurt. I mean, no one answers it like that. And, you know, most single people don't have an explanation for why they're single. I mean, some of you aren't in a relationship by choice. Um, Others might be, you know, there's an underlying commitment issue going on, perhaps attached to things that happened to you in the past. And then there's the old adage, well, you just haven't met the right person. But here's the thing. Research shows, and this is research talking, not just me, that there really is mostly one reason why you are single. And that is because of self-sabotage. Now, self-sabotage has different forms, and we're going to kind of talk about that. But it's something you often don't realize you're doing. But here's the thing. You play a major role in your own movie and why you're still single. And so even if you don't think you're voluntarily, you know, doing it, it might be just all down to your actions. So self-sabotage is actively undermining and blocking opportunities for social interaction or dating potential. So you might say, oh, well, I'm just really busy with work. I can't, I don't have time to date. It's just, you know, it's just not the right time. Or you'll blame external factors, right? Like, Oh, you know what? It's just too cold. I'll, I'll wait till, you know, uh, until it starts getting warmer out. I hate the winter or there's no quality men or women out there in my hometown. And so you're essentially telling the world and yourself, of course, that you are not interested in a relationship either consciously or unconsciously. But if you think about it, that's safer, right? I mean, it's way easier to stay in your little comfy cocoon doing what you know, rather than putting yourself out there and jeopardizing your self-esteem and exposing yourself to injury. I mean, the core of self-sabotage is fear. And it's understandable that many of you hold back to protect yourself from getting hurt. This comes down to the fear of rejection. It could be a desire to avoid that vulnerability. And often when people have been emotionally scarred in the past, and let's face it, who hasn't, for God's sakes, it's common to be self-protective. But there is a difference. And here's the thing. There is a big difference between a healthy skepticism and taking things slow and maybe like really honoring where you're at versus putting yourself in a victim mode where you will make yourself fail just to be right and justify your actions or reasons why you're single. So interestingly, many people who unknowingly sabotage their chances of finding love hold at least three types of negative dating beliefs. Okay. The first one is about yourself. So maybe it's like, oh, I don't feel pretty enough. Or the second one will be about the other person. So, oh, they're probably will cheat on me. So, you know, all all men are bad. Third could be about the relationship. I just don't have time for a relationship. So you are not ready to date if you hold some of these beliefs. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So what can you do? And a lot of it, you know, it's not going to be surprising, has to do with loving yourself. I remember working with a client recently 
who was caught in this horrible loop of self-sabotage. I mean, I, I have to say it was one of the most difficult for her to even reach out to me. Um, here's what she was doing. She would get sucked into these abusive and addictive relationships where in the end, she felt horrible about herself. She dimmed her light in efforts to not outshine the men and lose herself in these relationships. The last relationship, it, it was so bad. She ended up living with a con man. And this dynamic was directly related, and we really kind of figured this out working together. It was related to her emotionally unavailable parents, and constantly she was chasing that love, chasing that attention. And she learned that the only way that she could find love was to make herself small and accept the crumbs. And being taken advantage of. So that was the loop, right? The self-sabotage loop was the negative dating belief that she was not good enough for a normal relationship. And so she kept making herself right. And we really worked hard on self-love and demanding more for herself. So what did we do? Of course, I taught her how to flirt, not getting attached to the outcome, really come into herself, you know, sharing her feelings, pacing things out. We did a whole photo session so that she really could own her beauty. She didn't even see how gorgeous she was, you know, both inside and out. And after the hard work, I'm happy to say that she attracted a great guy that was so different from the rest. So I have someone on the line today who is going to help me talk about how to say goodbye to self-sabotage dating. She has an amazing story. Actually, I can't wait to hear more about it. And there's like a lot of juicy things I think that's going to come out of this. She is a multi-million dollar entrepreneur, speaker, author, and a world-renowned recovery coach. And she's helped thousands of women recover from addiction and those who are overwhelmed and looking for an escape in their daily stress and anxiety. She performs soul surgery. I freaking love that. I can't wait to talk about it. Using a no-nonsense approach to demolish generational patterns and change old habits steeped with shame and guilt. She started her network marketing business the morning she picked up her six-month sobriety chip. In two years, she made her first million. Oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, Tracy has been featured in Success from Home Magazine, won several top awards in her network marketing company, and continues to be an industry leader. Welcome, Tracy O'Malley. So good for, I can't wait for this conversation. Oh my goodness, this is going to be so fun and juicy. I love this topic so much, especially around dating and relationships. Okay, so you kind of tipped your hat before we went on, and I literally <laughs> stopped you because you were about to say some really good things. I'm like, wait, we want to record this because mm -hmm. you have kind of a personal connection to this topic. I didn't even know that either. Oh, my goodness. This is probably the one question people want to ask me about for my own personal life, but they're kind of afraid to. You know, I've been, you know, I'm an, I'm 47, although I don't look at people are surprised by that. Um, and I've been married. I was married for, gosh, I think 12 years, been divorced for 12 and been single completely for the last six. I have not been on one date in six years. What? And I know you can pick your job off the floor now. <laughs> I get it. I know. <laughs> and you're, wait till you hear why. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So you want me to go into it? I, yeah. Like I, I swear to God, like we're all waiting. Like you. Okay. Dramatic pause. What? Yes. Oh, amazing. So, to 
So I get that, like what you said earlier, like I get the question, why are you still single? Not really so much anymore. Cause I think it's such this, they want to know, but they don't. Um, uh, and because, because I carry this posture that like, I'm good, that nobody uh, even questions why I am still single. And that took me a long time to come to terms with. And what I believe, um, the, the reason why I haven't dated in six years is not because I'm a man hater or because I'm not um, confident in my choices or all of the things that you were saying, right? And why we sabotage relationships or why we attract the wrong people. And like you said in my bio, um, I've been sober almost seven years. Mm. Which, if you kind of do the math, you can see where the pattern was. So, yeah. you know, in recovery, they strongly recommend you don't make any real important decisions in that first year. And I was on the process, I didn't know it at the time, but in the process of exiting a really toxic relationship, you know, when you get sober and make a life change like that, the people in your playground don't really like it and they want to kick you out of the park. And that, that's kind of what happened to me six years ago, the love of my life. I came home one day and he was gone. His stuff was gone. The dog was gone. And I was left there um, to kind of process this. And my old patterns were to hold on for dear life, to white knuckle, to try and control it, to hold on, to accept whatever bullshit I was treated with. And in that moment, I knew that letting go was the most important decision I could make at that time, not just for the right then and there, mm. but for my future in love and intimacy and relations. And, you know, obviously the last six years, I've done a lot of work not just on myself, but with thousands of other people, like you heard. And I had to really do my own soul surgery, which is dissecting our past so we can heal our heart properly. So we can function the way we were divinely supposed to, to begin with before the world got a hold of us and beat the shit out of us and spit us out. Right. Yeah. And so doing the own dissection of my past specifically around love, intimacy, and dating I noticed a very strong pattern and it was, I became a chameleon to whatever man was in my life and I attracted a certain type. And when I was dissecting the past, I probably had three or four really strong relationships, you know, uh, romantic relationships in my life. I got married at 21. So mm -hmm. for a good chunk of that was that stage of my life. But I noticed how I would conform to every man that I had. And in doing that um, dissection, I realized that stemmed all the way from my dad. And I heard a story <clears throat> and my dad adored me. Like it was no question my dad adored me, but he was very, very critical. He was very much the king of the backhanded compliment. Like that's great, but, and then, you know, uh, butt negates everything but. that was, yeah. yeah. And there was a story told about the day I was born and I heard it right around the age of four. And, you know, my dad, for those of you over 40 and are familiar with all in the family and Archie Bunker, my oh, dad. Was, Archie. <laughs> yeah, oh, Archie. I want Stifle. you. Stifle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I lived, I lived on the stifle yourself. Like you're better seen than heard. Yeah. You don't have a voice. 
it doesn't matter what you think or say because it's my way or the highway. And my dad was the epitome of that. And he was super charming, super charismatic, super like funny. Mm -hmm. But the story, like, and no filter. And Mm -hmm. although I have a very similar sense of humor, when you're a four-year-old and hearing this story, you know, little children take things so literally. So the day I was born, you know, this was back in the day when the men weren't in the, um, in the birthing room, they were, you know, chain smoking in the waiting room of the hospital. (laughs) Yeah. I'm dating myself y'all. So, you know, by the way, Tracy, I am right with you like a hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. No, I love this age. Um, but the joke around the day I was born was, you know, after 30 something hours of labor, my mom, you know, has me and the doctor comes out to my dad chain smoking in the waiting room and says, congratulations, Mr. O'Malley, you have a daughter. And he said, you know what? Keep her. I don't want her. (gasps) And it was a total joke because he wanted a boy. I literally had a blue room for six years. I knew the entire lineup of the Cubs and the Bears. Like I was a tomboy. I went camping and fishing and all the things. And of course he adored me and it was a joke. Um, But when you hear that at four years old, the belief yeah. system I the belief system I knew at that very moment was, what do you mean you didn't want me? What do you mean keep me? And the belief that I built out of that one sentence, one sentence was, I need to be as close to perfect as possible to gain his approval, love, and to be worthy of it. Yep. And so what happened would be as I would, you know, get into the hormonal stage of like boy crazy. I attracted boys that were emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. and would have requests of me that of course I would conform to. Now, when it came to my husband, my husband was the only one that was a little bit different from that norm. He was like the opposite. And I was like, okay, what's the deal with this? Cause this is not my normal type. And it was easy mm-hmm. and we were good friends, but in unpacking that, and this is really important for you dating out there and get really attached to the guys or the girl's family. Mm-hmm. I was so in love with his mother because she was everything that I never had. She was nurturing. She was loving. She, she was present. And so that whole relationship was based on getting the love of a mother. And so obviously six years ago, when the love of my life decided his part of the story was over, I was like, okay, I don't want to repeat this. And if you don't repair it, you will repeat it. And so it's when I really started to deep dive and dissect the the relationships with my parents. And then looking back at the generations before that and how that whole shit show happened and the generations before that and putting all the pieces together. And I think sometimes, especially around dating, we think we see the whole story from one piece Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's not until we put all these little pieces together to have a whole new level of awareness, understanding, and a, a bigger vision of what that is. And so as I started putting all these pieces together, I'm like, well, shit, isn't that fascinating? And like I said, if I don't repair it, I'll repeat it. And so for the last six years, because I had four decades under my belt, there was a lot of repairing to do and healing to do. And for those of you out there that bounce, you know, you get your heart broken, it's lonely, and then you just jump right in. Yeah. You're not repairing it and you're going to notice a trend. And, and sometimes, and this is the hard part for people to accept. It's like when you break a bone and it, let's say it's not set properly, you break your arm and you don't go to the doctor soon enough, or you get a crappy doctor and they don't set it properly. What happens is, is it doesn't function right. Mm. 
And so sometimes you have to go in and the doctor has to re-break the bone, sometimes through surgery. So it's set properly, so it can heal properly. And so it can function at its optimal level. And sometimes, and sometimes our heart is the thing that needs re-breaking so we can heal it properly. So you can live that divine, beautiful life that you want in a relationship. And so that's been my process the last six years. And I take it very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a single mother. So I have two beautiful kids that are watching me and learning from me. And they were about 14 at the time when this change happened for me. And what I was showing them wasn't great. I have a son and a daughter. So like I've got the male perspective and the woman's perspective. So I knew that this was going to be crucial also for them to witness what grace looks like in learning about yourself. So you can really call in that life partner or even a temporary partner that um, is in line with who you are, the real you, not the the fake one you put on for the world to see, not the mask you throw on. And, and I'm not knocking it because I did it. And, And there's so much reasons, so many reasons why we do that. But the last six years, I have really known that who I am, what I want, what is important to me. And the real kicker of the six-year hiatus on top of it all is I have not even been asked out one time. It's not even like I'm just shutting it down. And that one, I was like, okay, what's that about? Am I just like throwing down an energy that's like, stay the hell away from me? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that. It is a very self-aware, self-assured, strong, independent, loving woman that will not accept anything but the very best for her. And you attract whatever you are. So, you know, when you say that, there's a very slim few out there that actually are, have that same kind of standard that I do. Men, right? Back when I was like a shit show, I was getting hit on every other day, easily, <laughs> easily. Yeah, but you were attracting the shit show. I mean, that's exactly. Right. Wait, exactly. I want to stop you for a second because there's so many. Like, I, I just want to make sure everyone's hearing <laughs> some of the the points that you're making as you're telling your your story because there. And I want to make sure people understand it because we were talking about self-sabotage, right? Like in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and you said something really profound that I think a lot of people almost misinterpret is that Mm -hmm. your last six years of healing is not self-sabotage. I want to like, right. I think that's what you're saying. Cause you know, that question why you're still single, Mm -hmm. what, what you did is that is like on purpose with the intention of like you put it repairing it so you don't repeat it and that's vastly different than the masks and the chameleon mm-hmm. thing that you were doing before that was the sabotage so i just want to like right like just to distinguish because people might be listening and be like oh well she's, she's sabotaging herself you know the last six years They're like no 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 so i think that's so beautiful and wonderful and i think the danger and here's and here's what I wanted to ask you actually it's a little provocative but you know it, there mm. gets to be a point where the healing occurs and it happens and then this like like you're loving yourself so much <laughs> you know mm-hmm. to the point where it's like well wait a second I'm really liking this and mm-hmm. so like when did you know or do you know when it's time to actually turn your cab light back on where you're like 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up for business now. Are you ready to date again? Or do you not know yet? Oh my gosh, that is such a great question. So, you know, a few years into this, it was all about like self-love. And, and by the way, the last six years is the epitome of self-love and self-care. Like mm-hmm. the ability to be so present with yourself to know like who you are at the most beautiful core level is like the greatest self-care I've ever done. It's not like yoga and affirmations, which are great, but like, this is true self-care. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I want to hear more about that. Cause I want to like give some people like some steps about yeah. your soul surgery, but yeah, like I was just kind of interested in like, well, then how do you mm-hmm. know when you're ready versus the, you know, the fear factor where you just get almost sure. too comfortable. Well, and here's the thing with me, like I take an inventory pretty much daily and then I have to check it before I wreck it. Right. Cause ah. I like, like my, my old patterns can creep in if I am not, um, consistent with checking in, you know, doing a, an emotional check-in, um, an intellectual check-in, a physical check-in, like spiritual check-in. And I, I'm not going to lie about a year and year or so into this. I'm like, am I, is this just a more polished version? of <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and I really had to be honest and say, no, this is beautiful. This is loving. And, um, you know, I, I had a health crisis in the last few years, so it kind of made sense why oh. I didn't have the energy necessarily to do it. And it didn't make sense, but, you know, I was like, well, that makes sense. Cause I, I had to kind of check myself all the time. Yeah. And, and the truth is, is I have had my light on for a couple of years now. Um, I do need to leave the house a little bit more, which is in a strength of mine. I'm I'm more introverted by nature. Oh, girl, I um, can help you with that. <laughs> I, I know. I was looking at you too, and and that part, it's like, well, he's not going to come knocking on the door. Right, and right. For for me, like, I'm not knocking it. I've done it before. Like, online dating isn't really up my alley at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really had to check the cycle. Okay, sabotage, like whether it's entering in relationships too quickly or with the wrong person or, you know, hiding behind the walls and and your, you know, dogs and your sweatpants, which I've done before. Mm -hmm. And then then having that awareness, well, shit, that's what I'm doing. So then you go down the shame lane because you know you should be doing better and you really want better, but you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to like more isolation, more crappy choices, lowering our self-worth. But that's at least what we know. Like you said, it's safe and it's certain, even though it's not what our heart's desire is. And so, you know, really taking that inventory daily with myself and knowing like, what energy am I putting it out there? It doesn't mean it's like the fire hose is open and anybody wants in and and take part of me. Um, It's just like, I'm very intentional with um, looking around and seeing who's around me. Mm-hmm. A very open mind because the other thing that we can get a little spiritually arrogant when we've done this inner work, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. we, we go from the victim in quotation marks to the judger. And, you know, we walk around like judge freaking Judy sometimes like, well, he doesn't <laughs> have that. He doesn't have that. He doesn't do that work. La, 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 la. And I, I was like, oh shit. Like I have to be careful of that too, because you can get spiritually arrogant and that's just another form of self-sabotage. That's right. So I, I was just going to say right? that. Like, yeah. And it goes back to that loop. Yep. Yep. Totally. And so I'm very intentional. Anytime I leave the house that mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I am open to receive whatever God the divine has for me. Mm-hmm. And I have clear eyes and open heart and a willing 
spirit for if that person is put in front of me, I, I will know it. And it, the fact is, is at the standards of which I operate in my life, that just hasn't come around yet. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm not going to manipulate it. I'm not going to force it, which is my old sabotaging pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And just let it be what's supposed to be. And, and for my, my kids are now 21 and 22 for them to witness that Hmm. I'm seeing how that example is having them make beautiful choices in their relationships as they navigate the dating and and all of that in their twenties. It's like, thank God I did this because what I was showing them before was my son, I was showing what he could expect from a woman, right? Because as mothers, we show our sons what they can expect from women. And I was showing him a power hungry, like take no shit, which is okay when it's coming from the right place. And so early on in dating, he was picking women that would walk all over him. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and my daughter would, would just escape all relationships. She would be the chameleon. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, no, no. You know, again, what we don't repair, we will repeat, not just in ourselves, but in our legacy. And I didn't want that for them either. And so to see them making beautiful, healthy, boundary-driven choices, it's freaking beautiful. And it's well, worth what- it. It's awesome because you're you're being a really good model for that. And on top of it, I feel like it builds resiliency, you know, yes. and, and both you and the children. So, you know, my question is, and you actually gave a, a couple of tips, which I think are awesome, like doing that self-inventory and especially like emotional check-in and also being more open. Are there other steps in that soul surgery that you do that could help people with self-sabotage? Yeah, there's, there's a few things. And, and, and the first thing is you have to be honest, open and willing to be self aware. And I think mm-hmm. in the in the world we live in today, everything is so filtered from social media to how we show up in the world. I mean, oh, girlfriend, yeah. girl, girlfriend, I know how to like contour my face. And you know, I, I <laughs> like, make like I get it. Right. Um, but really, being so self aware, to know that like, if if your gut is telling you something about a person, but it fits all your boxes that you want to check, like trust that gut check. Like I call them God shots. Like, Oh, that's, that's not just a red flag. Like that's your compass telling you something. And it's not that they're Mm, a bad person. Yeah. Like it's not that they're a bad person, but trusting that instinct. And here's the thing. And and your intuition, your instinct and intuition can't operate properly. If you are in chaos, which means, you're spinning out in your head trying to make this square peg fit in a round hole, right? Oh my God, wait, can I tell you something? It's so funny that you just mentioned that, about the whole like gut thing and trusting yourself mm-hmm. is that I was just talking to a client the other day about that and see how it was playing out. It was that she didn't trust men. And I kind of mm-hmm. challenged her because I said, how much is this the man or how much is this not trusting yourself to pick the right man? And she 100%. Just, Right. Like she just kind of paused and like, wow. And, and, and she realized that was the self-sabotage is that she was just blaming the man, but really within. And I think what you said is so good is like when you kind of learn to trust yourself and your gut, that also builds that confidence moving forward. Yeah. And the thing is, with being able to trust that intuition is clearing the chaos. How do you clear the yeah, chaos? Yeah. You have to go in and dissect these patterns and habits and heal it properly, right? So you can operate from that. The other thing that I notice too, like when I'm triggered, and it doesn't necessarily mean triggered in a bad way. I think mm. we put we put trigger in like the shitty pile. 
And there are times where I'm triggered with a lot of joy and, you know, the extreme, it's like, okay, what's that about? Like, why, why is that making me happy or excited? Um, and celebrating them. And, you know, when we talk about triggers that maybe aren't so positive, like, you know, some, let's say this guy is talking shit about somebody or the girl is like all about what she looks like all the time and, Mm -hmm. you know, won't go to bed without makeup, whatever that looks like. And that triggers you like that is everything about you and not that person. And really whenever you're triggered, like same thing with the the woman you just talked about, like, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't trust men. No, let's flip the mirror around. And what is that saying about us? So when I'm triggered by something, I celebrate it first and foremost, you got to pause in it. It's like, okay, instead of reacting, we're going to like take a pause so we can respond with compassion and in a way that's super effective and do like that, that check-in with myself. It's like, okay, that's what that's about. That's why I'm drawn to this person. Cause he's like daddy and daddy is like home and home is certainty, even though it was shitty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, that's and so fun. celebrating that. Yeah. So celebrating those gut hits and the, the God shots and the triggers and allowing yourself to pause and not just be so reactionary. And again, that reactionary is not operating from a place of intuition at all. That's just like fear or fight, flight and freeze. Right. We're either fighting, we're fighting it, or we're just paralyzed by all of it. And, you know, allowing yourself to really check in, pause. And if you're in a social situation, I do this one all the time. This is a great little tip. So write this down, y'all. Especially when I'm like perplexed by a trigger and I'm feeling like under pressure. Like if you're in a group setting, especially if you're doing like these dating mixers and networking groups and all, all the things, it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Everybody goes to the bathroom. And so when I feel like that, I just say, you know what? I have to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. And mm. I take that five minutes in the bathroom where nobody's going to interrupt you. And it's a time really, out. it is a timeout. It's a yeah. grown up timeout that time nobody out. will exactly to kind of compose yourself. So you're not like operating from that fight, flight or free space. It's more like, this is who I am. I've got your back. I love you. This is not that because we can go into the old story of, this guy is just like my father and really going into the bathroom and saying, this isn't that my love. I've got you. We are making great choices. This isn't for you, but we can go and still have fun and call it whatever it is, but we don't have to like put so much weight on it. But taking that five minute time out to go potty is like the greatest thing ever. And like, I am the queen of the Irish duck out. And so if you're Irish, you kind of know what this is. So when, when the Irish have a little too much to drink at a party, we, we kind of just get the heck out of there before it gets ugly. Or, you know, the Irish also say long goodbye. So we just duck out so we don't have to spend an hour saying goodbye to people. <laughs> I never heard that. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah so I, I like that. I'm a sober Irish girl now. So I do the Irish duck out when I know that this is no longer for me. And especially if people are drinking, which is no big deal to me. I don't have a problem on that, but like, I'm, this is a self-care, self-honoring. It's like, we are done. We have had a great time. It's time to go home and just excusing yourself without telling anybody and always have your own exit plan. Like I always have my own exit Mm. plan, not in a way to sabotage, but in a way to honor myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So in dating, always ha- with Uber, it's easy to have your own exit plan today. Back when I was younger, we didn't have that. 
So those are some of the practices that I really would recommend, you know, especially if you're new at this and, and in this new self-awareness space, but you still don't quite trust yourself. Use those little things. It's awesome. And, you know, just as a therapist, as I'm listening to you, you're, you're, you're actually suggesting so many powerful things in terms of how people can have like a different mindset, like even turning a trigger into a celebration is a reframe. And it's Mm -hmm. a powerful reframe because, you know, so often we have these negative associations with it and then that goes into our bodies. And then Mm -hmm. I love the exit plan and the Irish duck out and time out and all that because it's a break state in NLP terms. Like you're just totally breaking and disrupting your normal pattern. And that also will help you like create new ones. So that love, love, love. Oh my, I mean, Tracy, I feel like you're like a, a kindred spirit here because we have a lot in common. I mean, I, I don't know if you know my story, but everybody else does who listen to my podcast is I'm also a single mom and, you know, just mm. kind of going through uh, the journey and the growth and, and all these things that we're talking about, I think everyone can relate to in some way, sure. shape or form. So thank you so much for coming on. Are there any like kind of parting words of wisdom that you wanted to share and how can people find you? Yes, I have one final word of wisdom. I think um, we have it backwards sometimes that, especially when it's matters of the heart, because it is the most scary thing in the world, I I would bet to say, at least Mm -hmm. it is for me, it's still really scary to me. And it's the most vulnerable you can ever be, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we have it backwards. We have a super high attachment to an outcome, but a super low involvement with our own self-honoring and self-awareness. And if you could flip that and have a real high involvement with your own work, your own awareness, Mm. your own honoring process and a low attachment to any outcome, you're going to notice the type of person you attract into your life will be very, very different. And quite honestly, you'll end up a lot more often with what you really, really want. And so I would say focus on that high involvement, low attachment, and you're going to be doing much better than maybe you have been. So Beautiful. And by the way, ladies, that is the definition of flirting. (laughs) Oh my God. I just seriously talked about this. The definition of flirting is to behave as though you are attracted to someone without the serious intention of an outcome. And so I think in so many things, we get attached to the outcome. And I mean, this, this was awesome. So powerful. Thank you for coming on so much. Um, Yeah. Oh, and where can people find you? Did you want to do a little? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're into the social media thing, Instagram is absolutely the best way. I real talk you like no bullshit all the time. We have a lot of fun. And if you like dogs, then you'll see a lot of them too on Instagram (laughs) at Tracy um, underscore O'Malley. And then my website is tracyomalley.com and we're working on it. It's not my favorite thing, but it's got a lot of free resources that can, can help you really start to tap into that self-awareness piece, especially if you've numbed it out for so long or stuffed it down. Um, it's a great way to start chipping away at, at the baggage to dissect your path so you can heal it properly. I love it. You guys have to check her out. Well, thanks again. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. Of course, I'm your host, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, of course, go to my 
site, seltzerstyle.com. And if you want to stop this self-sabotaging thing going on in your dating life specifically, then hop on a free breakthrough call with me by signing up on my link. And that is always in the show description and I'll help you map out a plan and overcoming that. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.